Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve presented by Deloitte. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, as the gentleman said, and this topic is more important than ever. Let's look at the buzz on the street today. Okay, I have a quote from TeamPay.co, and this actually is a quote from Sandy Cockrell, the global leader of the CFO program of Deloitte. The quote was from 2018, still very, very important. Listen up. There's no question over the last year, this new wave of technologies has had an impact on CFO decision-making. If you think about the CFO's role in the last five to ten years, more and more responsibility has been put on their plate. Truer words have never been said. Thank you, Sandy Cockrell, for the quote. So let me tell you what we're going to be talking about today. What aspect? The key word is finance. For many companies, finance solutions are tethered to rigid, static legacy systems. Come on, you know who you are around the world. What's the problem with this? They can impede your ability to pivot, to be agile, and to support the new business models that you need to thrive in today's extremely challenging marketplace. This is March 2020. Don't need to say any more. But there is good news. Aha. You can leverage existing artificial intelligence. Hope you're using it. Machine learning. Doubly hope you're using it. And RPA, robotic process automation tools, to quickly transform your current financial data and reporting landscape. And the approach is what we're talking about on this series, Built to Evolve Kinetic Enterprise. I have three experts on the panel with me today. We're thrilled to have them. We have Denise McGuigan. We have have Ranjit Rao, and we have Arjun Krishnamurthy, and they're going to explain the tangible benefits. Yes, there is a pay- tangible payoff to this. It includes cognitive finance. We'll explain what that is. Real-time insights, you need them now more than ever. Rapid scalability, of course, and responsiveness, why you need these all to support your future business models. So stick around for the next almost hour and join us for the Kinetic Enterprise, building your intelligent, disruption-ready finance function. Now it's my pleasure to have our panelists introduce themselves. We're going to find out who they are, what they do, and what is their passion for this topic. So Denise McGuigan, I haven't talked to you in a couple of years. You were on a Game Changers radio show with me. Delighted to have you. Denise, please introduce yourself to everybody. I'm a principal out of Deloitte's um, SAP practice based in Atlanta. I'm originally from Ireland. For those of you that may detect an accent in me, I promise Mm -hmm. it probably will get stronger as we keep talking. Um, I currently lead the Deloitte SAP finance market offering. And over the last 14 years, I've been focused on helping organizations really simplify and optimize the finance function. And we do this through global finance transformation programs enabled by SAP. My passion is truly in finance and innovation. As I always like to say, finance is at the center of the universe, and it's really central to a company's success. Nowadays, I spend most of my time delivering lights out finance solutions and digital controllership solutions, which truly transform the controllership and finance shared services operations. So I look forward to sharing a little bit about what those solutions are. But honestly, my goal is to make finance and accounting exciting again, which is why I'm really looking forward to the discussion today around, you know, kinetic finance and and building the intelligent finance function. 
Thank you so much, Denise. Denise, is it unusual to have somebody like yourself, a, a female, in the finance? I mentioned before we were starting the show, I mentioned to the three of you that finance used to be CPAs huddled in a basement with eye shades and green backers lamps, and, and it would never really see the light of day. My goodness, get your spreadsheet out. Look back a quarter or a half of a year and, and talk about what happened. It was never forward-looking. You say these are exciting times. Is this exciting for, would you say to women going into college or university, how you call it in Europe, would you say this is an exciting time to think about finance as a career? What's your thought on that quickly? Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, finance is not just about debits and credits you know, anymore. The, the innovation and the technology and the digitization of all these solutions has made it extremely exciting and it's a great path to get into. And we're starting to see more and more females um, in our practice and actually a lot more leaders in the past few years. So it's very exciting times. I like the word leaders. Thank you very much. Let's move one seat around the table to Ranji Rao. Her last name is R-A-O, and she in, she instructed me how to say it. I hope I did it right. Ranji, you're a newcomer to radio with me. I'm so happy to meet you. Why don't you please tell everybody who you are, what you do, and I'd love to hear if you agree with Denise that finance is now an exciting place to work. Go ahead, Ranji. Thanks, Bonnie. I will say finance has always been an exciting place to work for me, at least. <laughs> now, I'm told I need to get out more, so I'll, I'll take that point. But quickly on my background, <laughs> I am a principal with Deloitte, also based out of Atlanta. I am within our finance transformation practice. Uh, in Atlanta, I live with my husband and our two dogs, Simon and Layla. So I started my career out a little bit differently. I was in pure play finance. I focused quite a bit on process improvement and cost reduction. I very quickly saw the value that finance can bring to an organization. But for some reason, you know, finance was always held back in providing those insights. And this really intrigued me. I wanted to learn more, do more, and get deeper and see how finance can really step up its game. So I started at probably midway through my career, I started to spend more time in technology and very quickly saw the value that it can provide. And I knew this is where I wanted to focus. So since then, I've been lucky enough to have experiences across off-the-shelf technology packages, but also within robotics, analytics, et cetera. And, you know, to, to the point about women in finance, you know, the industries I focus in, I, I would say I see quite a bit of women in finance. What I don't see is that intersection of finance and technology and women working in that intersection. So that's starting to change quite a bit more and more. And so it really, really excites me where finance is headed. Thank you, Ranjit. I love the enthusiasm. And, and you know, I do a show for SAP called Financial Excellence with Game Changers. And we've been talking guardedly, of course, politely, I will say, about finance has been a laggard in adopting new tech. Finance has been, well, it's okay. Uh, we don't need to necessarily be the stewards of the business. We'll, we'll get there and we're going to embrace technology a little at a time. We'll dip our toe in the water. Are you seeing any acceleration of that? Runji? Absolutely. Absolutely. More than ever, especially with the, uh, the pace at which the marketplace is changing, the pace at which business models are changing, and technology. Quite frankly, it's, it's a lot easier than it used to be. So we are seeing quite a bit of acceleration of technology in the finance Glad to hear that. That's why we're here. We're talking about the evolution. This is the Kinetic Enterprise. I'm moving to my last stop around the table, Arjun Krishnamurthy. You've been so patient. We'd love to have you introduce yourself and tell me what you find exciting about finance. Go ahead. Arjun, welcome. Hey, good morning, Bonnie. Glad to be here again. Um, uh, Arjun Krishnamurthy. I'm a managing director from Deloitte, um, also from Atlanta. Um, I actually lead the finance transformation um, practice within Deloitte as one of the leaders. 
uh, helping uh, clients, especially enable uh, digital technologies and innovation capabilities in this space of finance. Uh, the area of focus of mine is more focused on performance management, uh, helping enable shared services enablement and uh, controllership. And from a passion perspective, um, mm-hmm. I love to work with the CFO's organization, especially in the consumer industry and the consumer challenges and how finance can sort of resolve uh, consumer challenges, um, either both by you know driving efficiencies, also driving insights. And the finance role is sort of broadening and, and it's, it's fantastic to be part of that journey of transition. Thank you very much. Do you do you still have anybody you work with, Arjun? You see anybody sitting in the basement with the eye shade? I'm sorry to go back to that, but actually, but I was, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I I, I was in, in the basement as an eye shade because I'm, I'm I'm a recovering accountant. Um, <laughs> but there was a point where uh, it was frustrating doing the same thing. Actually, um, I that's when I pivoted on the technology usage because I'm a little bit lazy, and technology helps people who are lazy, and then it essentially focuses on efficiency and. And, and focuses on how can we drive insights versus doing the routine rut. So, yes, I do reminisce those days a little bit, but don't miss a lot. <laughs> I have to give a disclaimer. Thank you, Arjun. I have to give a disclaimer to our listeners. I did not know that Arjun was a recovering CPA, an accountant. I did not know that. And this is a revelation. This is not true true confessions in the Kinetic Enterprise, but thank you for your forthrightness. I, I just wanted to give the audience a chance to get to know the three of you through your own words rather than just reading your bio. And I love to hear that element of excitement coming from each of you and what you do and how you do it. So very, very good panel. Thank you so much. Now, this is the part of the show where I have asked each of my esteemed panelists to send me a quote from a famous person, a book, a movie, a song, a not-so-famous person that has, on the surface, literally nothing to do with the topic. And I'm going to ask each of them to explain why they selected it and what it does have to do with the topic. Drop those breadcrumbs, draw those dotted lines. So Denise McGuigan has picked a quote from the wonderful late Peter Drucker, Peter Ferdinand Drucker, 1909 to 2005, an Austrian-born American management consultant, educator, and author. And he invented, those of you who hate MBO, you can blame Drucker. Those of you who love MBOs, you can thank Drucker. He invented the concept known as management by objectives and self-control, and he's been called the founder of modern management. So there, here's the quote Denise has selected. If you want something new, you have to stop doing something old. Denise, great quote, actually words to live by. So how does this relate to our topic, Denise? So, so this quote really resonates with me, Bonnie. And, and to be honest, I love Peter Drucker anyway, as I feel he's always had the knack of simplifying the message. Um, but in this particular quote, it's the directness of the quote is what I like. You know, it's simple. And it's basically saying we cannot solve today's problems using the same tools and methodologies that we use to create them, right? And I, I think of how finance has evolved from you know, controlling, budgeting, financial reporting to more to more strategic activities, you know, needed to support critical business decisions, you know, such as you heard Ranjit mention earlier, such as new business models, for example. You know, I feel finance has evolved through digitization and the emerging technologies. And then when you add the explosion of data to that that needs to be analyzed, you know, I feel the companies that are really excelling in the marketplace are those which are not afraid of change. Mm-hmm. And they have really truly embraced, you know, out with the old and in with the new, so to speak. And these particular companies have finance functions that they continuously innovate and transform their business. And, you know, we can get into that a little bit more detail throughout the panel discussion. 
Um, but this is really why this quote resonated with me because, you know, embracing the change, embracing the technology, continuing to innovate and be that true business partner is really what finance is all about. Thank you, Denise. Wonderful quote. Reminds me of a quote uh, supposedly by Einstein, something about we cannot solve problems with the same thinking we used that when, when we created them and very, very similar. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that quote. Always happy to have a Drucker quote on the show. Ranjit Rao has sent us a quote from Will Rogers. I don't think we've ever had a Will Rogers quote on any of my shows, Ranjit. Uh, Will, William Penn Adair Rogers, 1879 to 1935, was an American stage and film actor of vaudeville performer most of you on this call may be too young to know what vaudeville is look it up cowboy humorist newspaper columnist and social commentator he was called oklahoma's favorite son he was an entertainer traveled around the world three times now think of it he died in 1935 and he traveled the world three times he made 71 movies 50 were silent 21 were talkies and he wrote more than 4,000 nationally syndicated newspaper columns he was the leading political wit and the highest paid Hollywood film star by the mid-1930s before he passed away. Interestingly enough, he died in an airplane crash in Alaska in 1935 with aviator Wiley Post. Great, great background there. So here's the quote Ranjit has selected from Will Rogers. Even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. Ranjit, love the quote, love the sense of humor. I know we're talking about finance and we can still say something humorous. So Ranjit, how did you find this quote and how did you pick it, please? Well, I'll be honest, I've, I've never seen a Will Rogers movie, and some of the facts you told me are, are a little new to me, but this <laughs> quote was important to me, and to explain why, I need to go back in my life just a little bit, so please bear with me here. I grew up in a very conservative, conservative environment where I was taught to do as I was told, not to deviate. So that meant not doing anything bad or negative, obviously, but also not doing anything outstanding or above and beyond, just kind of keep on the straight and narrow. My family, just for context, is full of physicians. So when I say straight and narrow, that's kind of the standard that I'm talking about here. So while my siblings and I growing up were almost brainwashed to become physicians, it took me a long time to realize that I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go into a career of medicine. And that's when I started to get into finance. So this quote is personal to me because if I stayed on the right track by definition of what my family thought was the right track, I probably would have got run over because medicine just wasn't for me. So at that point, you know, I finally got, got the guts to stand up for doing what I wanted to and change my major in college and started my journey into the business world. I applaud you. That's a wonderful story. Just like Arjun, this is uh, True Confessions on the Kinetic Enterprise. Malia, forgive me. I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the openness of the panelists. This is what makes us so real. Thank you so much, Ranjit. And uh, I, I come, I'm the daughter of a doctor and the mother of a doctor and the daughter of a nurse, an RN from way back in the day. And here I am as a broadcaster. What can I tell you? There was never going to be me in medicine. Maybe a lawyer, because I could probably talk in a courtroom very, very well and very fast but never going to be a doctor. So thank you very much. Arjun Krishnamurthy has sent us a quote in Latin. It's a quote from Jeff Bezos. I don't know if there's anybody on the planet who doesn't know, but I will tell you that it's Jeffrey Preston Bezos, B-E-Z-O-S. And interestingly enough, uh, Arjun, he has a Nay Jorgensen in his bio on Wikipedia. So I, I don't know if that means he, I don't know where the Jorgensen comes from. Anyway, he's a young man. I get to say he's a young man. He was born in 1964. He's an internet and aerospace entrepreneur. 
media proprietor, I like that, an investor. Of course, everybody knows he's the founder, CEO, and president of Amazon. And not to frighten you, but he was the first centibillionaire on the Forbes Wealth Index, the richest man in modern history. His net worth increased to $150 billion by July 2018, and Forbes said he was the far richer than anyone else on the planet. Oh my goodness. Amazon became the second company in history to reach a market cap of $1 trillion with a T. Here is the quote, Latin. I'm just going to read the Latin origin. I'm going to let you translate it for us. Gratatim ferociter. Go ahead, Arjun. Tell us. <laughs> Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah, that is actually uh, means uh, step by step uh, ferociously. That's actually the motto of uh, Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin. And that sort of uh, encapsulates uh, the entire Amazon journey um, because, you know, it, Amazon has actually transformed itself to a behemoth with a very long term view, but uh, with at the same time a very sense of urgency. And I think that. What, that's what this motto encapsulates, which is, which is step by step ferociously. Uh, the reason it, 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 it resonates always in me is when we look at uh, big challenges um, that happen in our, in our personal lives or in our professional lives or even for organizations, um, most of these, especially with the acceleration of technology, these are daunting tasks to take. And how do we take these long-term bets at the same time having a sense of urgency that sort of encapsulates that? So, Thank you very much. I think, Arjun, those are our words to live by today. I would say cautiously as well as ferociously. Wonderful quote. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Great quotes from all of you. Now it's officially time. We're not taking a break. It's officially time because the momentum is great here. Uh, if you're just tuning in, by the way, this is the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve presented by Deloitte. The topic today is the Kinetic Enterprise, building your intelligent, disruption-ready finance functions. And my three very special and very passionate about finance guests are Denise McGuigan. I will spell her last name if anybody wants to find her online, MC. G-U-I-G-A-N. We also have Ranjit Rao, last name is R-A-O, and we have Arjun Krishnamurthy. Just sound it out. You can spell it. There you go. So we're going to start the roundtable in earnest, as my late wonderful mother used to say. And let's start with statement number one Denise has sent me. I'm going to ask Denise to expand it, explain it, add to it, and then we will invite Ranjit and Arjun to add their thought leadership as well. So Denise told me before the show, Traditional infrastructures and processes can be at odds with the transformation's ambition to change critical business processes, ways of working, and the ability to meet the business needs. Finance needs to become more agile and real-time to address business demands. Denise, please tell us more. Great opening. Yeah, absolutely. So with any transformation, Bonnie, right, it, it really needs to be truly revolutionary. And it must generate at least an uptake in performance of, you know, around 30%, right? If you're really going to invest and do this to really make it worthwhile. And a finance transformation is no different. Um, however, with finance being central to so many systems and processes, it's really important to understand the actual scope of the transformation. And when you think about it, you know, finance interacts with supply chain, um, human capital, payroll, um, sales and billing. It just goes on and on and on. Therefore, if these specific processes are broken or other legacy applications are not enhanced, then this might cause a negative impact to your transformation. 
you know, as we mentioned um, earlier, the explosion of data, right, and these emerging technologies, it's really made it possible for finance to be that true business partner. You know, finance has now went real time. But if finance doesn't have the right attributes, you know, the timeliness of that data, then they're really hindered by bad processes and antiquated systems that's used upstream. Sometimes you think about it, finance is at the back end of that process, right? And they're at the mercy of, of the data and the speed of that data being sent to them. And the other aspect of this is it will also involve working with other leaders in the organization to help drive buy-in for transformational change. And this is never, ever easy and typically runs into issues such as competing with other priorities within the organization. You know, we see this a lot, especially with these big transformation projects. You know, you have finance, but you may be doing something else in procurement. You may be doing something else in, in your supply chain. So those priorities need to be in order. And when we think about kinetic finance, it's really all about having the agility to pivot and supporting these new business models. You know, the finance solution needs to be agile enough that it can support major shifts in business strategy um, where it be new markets or geographies or, or new products or services offered. So it's so critical to understand processes, systems, all of that needs to come into the finance transformation in order for that to be a success. So you have to be willing to go beyond the borders of finance to be truly successful in your transformation. Sounds like it requires strong, committed, focused, passionate leadership, Denise. Am I right on that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. you got to have those strong stakeholders and sponsors. Thank you. Let's see. Great opening to the roundtable, Denise. Thank you. Ranjit Rao, why don't you join us? Thoughts on, I'm just going to say agree or disagree, but of course I know you're going to agree. What would you like to add to Denise's statement, please, Ranjit? Well, you know, I'll, I'll take this from a slightly different angle. So I've oh. been in the finance space for about 15 years now. And so those who have been here for 20, 30 years, you guys probably remember the days of really big custom solutions, old development solutions, and things homegrown systems that companies built on their own to do what they need to do. That's sort of the traditional infrastructure as I think about it. And as we see the world evolving, organizations evolving, and finance evolving specifically, the, the debt associated with those old systems that have been there for so long is just too much to bear for companies. And so in, to make companies competitive in today's environment, finance is starting to realize that they really have to move the needle on technology. And with that comes data and comes process. So we are starting to see now a significant shift, quite a bit of momentum uh, around moving towards more standard off-the-shelf packages that will enable a strong core for finance for which they can continue to build on. So gone are the days of these big, clunky old systems that quite honestly took years to implement and scared a lot of people. You know, Mm -hmm. if you went through any of those implementations, you probably have the white hair to prove it. And so they're, they're still tough. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie that the programs are still tough, but the, the value and the way of getting there is changing so significantly and finance is really starting to see the value. Interesting. Okay, we won't go with the white hair comment, but interesting. I talked in my opening, Ranjit, about being tethered to legacy systems and you've addressed that very nicely. Thank you for bringing that in. Arjun Krishnamurthy, please join us. Good conversation around the table. What would you like to add? Yeah, the, the specific uh, point that Denny is talking about around finance needs to become more agile uh, and real-time, uh, I think that is something that always intrigued me because if you look at other areas of business uh, or even in our personal lives, we've become way more agile over the last couple of decades. Um, even if you take supply chain or consumer side, 
um, you know, the areas have made significant progress uh, over the last decade or so. Uh, far behind, uh, far ahead of uh, finance, um, like for example, improving customer experience or enabling warehouse automation. So I think it's it's time for finance to, um, I would say, not just catch up, but start to become the pioneer there. I think um, there are a lot of learnings that even from our personal lives that we look at, that we can actually adopt in, in the area of finance with, when it comes to platforms like, like um, Ranjit mentioned, where there's lessons learned uh, across the board that we need to uh, apply on the finance space. Thank you. Denise, you started a good conversation thread here. Anything you'd like to add to what your co-panelists just shared, please? Yeah, I think, I think we pretty much covered the topic. And, and, you know, when you think about the analytics side of it as well, and I know we'll get into this a little bit, yes. just around, you know, the different types of data and how, you know, finance is going to be le- leveraging the core. You know, we'll probably get into this a little bit as around, what I've noticed is a lot of these finance applications are now being brought into the core. We're starting to see a lot of finance applications on the cloud, which can certainly help, especially in today's um, disruptive environment where a lot of our resources need to work from home. But um, yeah, we're starting to see a lot of changes just around bringing in the core, cloud applications, and we'll probably get into a little bit around um, analytics and data and expanding and broadening your ledger. We are exactly going to get into it. Thank you, Denise, because that's the first statement I received from Ranjit, and it's a perfect segue. Thank you, Denise McGuigan. I appreciate that. Ranjit Rao said the following in her notes to me before the show. She says many finance organizations are expanding their data analytics capabilities to include predictive and prescriptive analytics to help them deliver smarter insights. And we know finance, in your next statement, Ranjit, finance needs to go real time. So, Ranjit, when you talk about this, expand us, please. And why don't you, in case somebody doesn't know the difference between predictive and prescriptive, we'd love to know your definitions. Ranjit, it's all yours. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, Before predictive and prescriptive, I do just want to define descriptive because that's probably what most people are familiar with. So descriptive is history channel. That's how I think about it. It's analytics about events that have already happened. It's really your results, your business results. When we start to move into predictive and prescriptive, it's much more forward-looking. So we're leaving kind of the past behind us. So predictive is uh, essentially think about it as um, a raw data set or informed data set that allows you to make certain decisions on a forward-looking basis. Whereas prescriptive is just that, it's more prescriptive. It actually gives you options to choose from. So it's not just a data set, but it's possible outcomes and options that you can take to improve your business. So why I think analytics is, is so important, and you know, it's not just me, it's, it's everyone out there, but we, we are starting to see the trend of finance used to spend so much time just running the business, meaning processing transactions, closing the books at month end and making sure everything looks good. You know, every last payment went out, every last piece of cash came into the company. But finance is really starting to move away from a pure play routine processor to start to deliver more business insights. And this is where analytics comes in. I'm going to use an example of a previous experience that I've had to articulate what can really be done. So I was working with a large consumer products company, about $50 billion, global, over 40 different countries. And these guys provided uh, a wide range of products. And what they started to see was leakage in their gross margin. So they didn't know why. It could have been coming from a lot of different areas. 
And so what we did is we got in and we built a predictive model capability for them that looked at payment terms with their customers. So are they offering a similar set of payment terms across a similar customer segment? We looked at uh, the different discounts and programs that are offered to their customers across a different product set. And then finally, we looked at the amount of short pays or um, uh, late payments that customers were provided and the reasons why. So when we did that, we identified through the use of predictive analytics that there was <clears throat> upwards of $150 million being left on the table if mm. they truly just understood this data and went back to either negotiate differently with their customers or if they had different practices on how they shipped their product, how they priced their product, or um, you know, things of that nature. So ultimately, we used those three elements to help them identify margin enhancement opportunities, which you know, probably wasn't heard of years ago. But given the technology and given the data and how it's improved today, we were able, from a finance perspective, to deliver more growth to the bottom line through predictive analytics. Ranjit, that sounds like an incredible example. I'm so glad. We love use cases, by the way. Um, you don't even have to mention the name of the company, but you gave us some some clues. Was there an aha moment? Was there a eureka moment? Was there a hitting the head on the wall? Why didn't we see this? How did we get this far into the hole without realizing it? Thank God for analytics. Was there one of those moments at senior leadership, if you could share that with us? Yeah, I would say the thing that we found most interesting is that there was, you know, a handful of large customers for this particular company um, that constantly would short pay. So they constantly would pay, you know, short of the required bill. And so when we dug into it and we looked at it, we realized that the company actually had a threshold of uh, short pays that they would look at on a regular basis. And anything that was below that threshold, they just never looked at it because the number was so small. So what some companies unfortunately started doing was consistently short paying underneath that threshold so that it would never be looked at, but then the volume would finally add up because there were so many short pays. So they started to realize, gosh, you know, I should have looked at this earlier. I probably could have prevented this, but it helped them really get to the root cause of, you know, is it my problem? Do I need to fix something within my doors so that this doesn't happen? Or is this truly something on their customer side that they needed to have a conversation with the customer? Thank you very much. Great use case. Arjun Krishnamurthy, join us. Thoughts on the, the case that uh, Ranji shared on the, I loved her definition of descriptive, predictive, prescriptive. Anything you want to add to any of that? We'd love to hear your POV. Arjun? Absolutely. Yeah, when, when Ranjit was giving that example, I was just looking at my personal life, right? In our personal lives, we are not looking at things in a uh, in a descriptive way. We are all, we're looking at instant notifications. We're looking at things that we are, we can predict our, you know, what the weather looks like to what the day is going to look like and week is going to look like. Why can't we adopt a lot of that learnings in, in our, in, in the area of finance, especially when the definition of finance is broadening with, with, with especially with in-memory, you bringing in a lot more supply chain and consumer attributes um, into finance. It's not your, you know, uh, grandfather's ledger anymore. So, so the finance is number one uh, in a position to be a much better business partner to the rest of the business. And number two, be able to apply uh, more predictive and instant insights. And I can give you an example. We're working with um, a CFO of retail and um, where he would actually get a, a retail store for store comparative uh, margin reporting and 
of progress only on a weekly or a monthly basis. So that's your routine packages that get created. We shifted that thinking to real-time insights where if a if the margins we expect or anticipate to start to dip, uh, they get immediately notified based on real-time analytics that is happening. And that way, you could apply uh, promotion effectiveness. You can actually have much better pricing effectiveness. Traditionally, uh, promotion decisions or pricing decisions are very store operations and merchandising focused. But now, because finance has that rich data, they are able to make those insights instantly and, 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 and drive those decisions that happen on the store, on the ground. Uh, we could actually use um, more of the cloud capabilities, IoT, uh, to broaden that definition of what traditionally finance was. Thank you, Arjun. Great case study as well. Appreciate that. Let's go around the table to Denise McGuigan. Denise, a lot of interesting information here. Uh, your thoughts on descriptive, predictive, prescriptive. I memorized that. And do you have a use case to share with us or comments on what your co-panelists just shared? Please go ahead, Denise. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just adding on the descriptive, predictive, I always like to say, you know, now with the new technology, finance has a crystal ball. They really do. And it's not about looking at historical performance anymore. It's around predicting performance, right? It's all about action and proactive nature. And then to add what we talked about earlier around, you know, the GL changing and adding new attributes, you know, what, I, what I've seen in the past, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of companies in the past would not have been able to add additional attributes to their ledger. They just didn't have, the technology didn't, didn't allow that. Now within memory technology, you can actually do transactional processing and analytical processing at the exact same time. So the companies in the past that basically had things such as profitability analysis, whether they were looking at the profitability of a particular product, that was actually done um, in another financial data warehouse. And it actually never tied to the GL. So you can imagine just the headache that that itself brought. So then you've got a reconciliation problem. Now you fast forward to today, and what I've seen my clients do is actually bring all those attributes into the ledger. And now that's possible before you could never dreamt of it. The complete system would have crashed if you tried to run that level of data. So it's, it's really a game changer and that we talk about bringing, bringing applications into the core, you know, being able to do analytical and transactional processing all in the one place is just a true game changer for finance. Thank you very much. I think we're talking about uh, the Jeff Bezos quote that Arjun said, uh, shared with us earlier, gradatim ferociter, step-by-step ferociously. That's what analytics seem to be giving the finance function. Ranjit, you started this thread. Excellent conversation. Ranjit, anything you want to say back to Arjun and Denise? Anything you want to add? I'll just round out this topic by saying that data is the core to any set of analytics. So good data, better analytics, bad data, not so good analytics. And so the, the challenges that we see with data are unfortunately still very real. And so while the, there are tools and methods to make it a lot easier to cleanse your data, you know, we cannot underestimate the effort it takes to actually do that and maintain a clean set of data. So it is a journey. It is an evolution. And we encourage companies to start early. Thank you very much. I was just commenting in the chat here to everyone. Uh, I'm really enjoying the conversation. I love the energy of the panelists and everybody sounds great. Let's move around the table. Arjun, it's your turn to lead a conversation thread here. And I'm looking at your statements. I'm going to jump to number four just because of where we are in the world today. You have a very interesting comment here and I think it's appropriate to bring it in. So you say, in extraordinary times like we are in now, 
Finance is the torchbearer for risk management, scenario planning, and continuous contingency planning. Arjun, why don't you expand this for us? If you have a case study, that would be great. And then we'll ask Denise and Ranjit to comment as well. Go ahead, Arjun. Yeah, this is uh, no, it's definitely relevant in today's world, and it's it's always going to be relevant uh, at the pace at which we are changing. You know, either uh, dealing with disasters or competitive forces, or even entering new uh, new business models. Because if you look at the changing business models, uh, with technology being so key, and most of Silicon Valley companies are now competing in every industry, uh, what happens is that the five-year plans or the strat plans that used to be there, uh, those start to become less and less relevant because the pace mm-hmm. of change has been much faster. So uh, we've, what we have seen in our studies are that the, the shift has been more towards a two to three-year plan, but those plans with a, a handful of scenarios that would play out. When those kind of things happen, uh, most of the organizations start to pivot towards the CFO because CFO is the culmination of that data that Ranjit was referring to, the, the gold mine of data that you could use to understand and do that sort of a scenario planning, both from what would work and also from what are these areas where are which are risky and, and you need to plan contingency against. And I can give you an example where you were helping a client with an M&A uh, a situation. Uh, this was back in 2018. Um, we were still roaring in the economy, but there were con- there were uh, chirps about is there going to be a recession pretty soon? And so as part of the M&A, there was a big, big piece was around synergy capture. And the finance group had to do an analysis of synergy capture by based off of uh, the different scenarios of the economy that would play out over the next uh, three to five years. But number one is, is not just the synergy, synergy capture from a economy playing out, but what business models would actually happen. It was actually an M&A where new industries were, were giving birth to. Uh, how, uh, what are the new competition uh, competitive forces that actually can play, play out? So we came up with about five scenarios and we couldn't have done that without connecting the dots between unstructured data uh, like social media and, and, and market sentiments, the structured historical data like performance and, and, and revenues and EBITDA, but also include other structured data like uh, consumer sentiments and consumer activity and, and bring all of that together to see what, um, what sort of models that play out so that the contingency can be planned against what are the areas where success would be more expected it also starts to play around what are your um, operating model and governance going to look like so finance starts to be not just a a um, metric provider but also becomes a steward and a torch bearer for all these uncertain areas and scenarios 
Arjun, thank you. I had to look up the term synergy capture because I hadn't heard it before because I'm not in your world or Denise's or Renjit's. And there is a very interesting article on www.deloitte.com. If anybody wants to look it up, just go and Google synergy capture and you will find that article. I think it pops up number one or number two in the Google search, but it, it is involving M&A, as Arjun said, mergers and acquisitions approach, and it can identify cost reduction that are missed in the traditional top-down approach where senior leadership doesn't always focus on what the new operating model will be and they're often very surprised when the post-deal operational improvements are not as significant as they planned and hoped or take longer than expected to realize. Is that a good encapsulation, Arjun? That definitely sums it up. Good, good. I'm glad. I love it when I find a Deloitte article first thing right off the bat when I Google something. Thank you. Great, great topic. Let's go around the table. Denise Buguigan, please join us and let's focus on some of the key points Arjun brought up about torchbearer for risk management, planning, contingency planning, all very, very key for businesses today. Denise, go ahead. Join us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just to add to what Arjun was talking around, around the pace of change and, and finance having those contingency and, and risk mitigation strategies ready to go, you know, you think about today um, and some of the disruption that we're seeing today, there's a heavy reliance on finance to not only keep keep the lights on, so to speak, you know, keep the processes such as treasury, you know, payroll, having the bills go out the door, but they also have to answer questions like, what are we going to do around cash flow? What does our revenue forecasting mm-hmm. look like? You know, and on top of that, then all the resources have to work from home. And then from a, a pure accounting perspective, they have to understand how to adjust their balance sheet. So how do they, you know, adjust for realization, realization of value of inventories, for example, or revenue recognition now they may not collect on some of these receivables. You know, having that ability to pivot and be able to adjust rapidly because it can't take them days to do this. In fact, it can't even take them hours to do this. Finance needs to be on top. They need to have that risk mitigation strategy and plan. And really, the only way to do it is to leverage good data and the right technologies to get them there. And it's really, really important more than ever to have that, com- that complete strategy in place. Thank you, Denise, for underscoring those points Arjun made. Ranjit, join us. What do you think? So now this is where I believe finance gets very sexy. So an emerging, an emerging trend that we are seeing is CFOs starting to take on angles of risk management, technology, and even strategy. So as the purview of the CFO becomes broader, the mindset needs to completely change. So this is huge. I mean, it puts finance in a much more strategic seat than before. Um, as we all know, the economy ebbs and flows, and we're, we're feeling it right now. And more and more companies are looking to finance to step up and lead the organization through turbulent times. And I believe that finance does now have the arsenal of tools at its disposal, and it can and will rise to the challenge. Thank you very much. Arjun, good around the table. Anything you would like to add? Yeah, the, the only thing I would want to add is that that balance is so key for like, building for the long term and at the same time thinking the right short-term decisions using capabilities like AI where you're able to use the, get the best value out of the data and be that much better. 
Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. We have time for one or two more statements, and I love the way the conversation is going. You all have great information to add. Denise, I'm looking at your statement number three because uh, I think Ranjit used the word sexy a minute ago. I think you have some some sexy new technologies in statement number three, Denise. I didn't start the word. Ranjit did, so forgive me. You say the finance operating model will change. We know that. New service delivery models will emerge as robots, artificial intelligence, cognitive technology take over finance finance operations, and here is the people part. Hiring will change in this space as organizations look more toward gig workers and freelancers. Denise, as they say on the news shows, let's unpack this. You have so much in here. So you want to talk about the robots first? Everybody wants to know. And then the hiring of the people, I think, and hiring of robots. Denise, go ahead. What do you got to say? Oh, yes. Now we're into the fun stuff. Um, <laughs> so I would say, you know, over the last several years, innovations and in technology, it, it has really allowed finance to move from hindsight to insight. I think it's really critical to understand. And, you know, and it's been able to do this with the introduction of in-memory technology, right, allowing transaction or allowing finance organizations to transact and run their analytical processes at the, at the same time. You know, in addition to that, finance has really been investing heavily in robots, right, around automated processes and controls. But all of this is very foundational, right? And it really, truly opens up for much, much more. Cognitive is the real game changer here. Because with cognitive technologies, finance and accounting processes, they're not just automated. They're actually providing actionable insights. They actually generate these insights that accountants can now use to make decisions. They're actually moving beyond their world of spreadsheets. You know, imagine a world in which financial shared services runs itself. So you heard me mention earlier, I I mentioned the lights out finance solution. This is really a world in where machine learning and bots automate the most tedious and laborious processes, you know, like um, cash application management, um, goods receipt and invoice receipt clearing. That's always very, very painful um, for many, many of the companies. And invoicing process, invoice processing, processing thousands, sometimes millions of invoices per day. And with these tasks automated, human hours can actually be moved to value-added tasks. But that's not all, though. With cognitive, we actually go beyond the automation, get those proactive insights. You know, and, and if I think about an example, right, imagine understanding which vendor always sends the wrong price on an invoice or which mm-hmm. distribution center has a broken process in which you know, they don't receive the goods properly and it's causing variances. What that trickles down to in the finance and accounting world is hours and hours and hours of reconciliation and looking up those variances and trying to find, you know, what happened. So if you can fix this upstream, if you can automate these, put controls in place, you know, you're resolving these problems up front. You're reducing the amount of copious hours and laborious hours in the back end to try to do this. And then cognitive can actually read and hear look and feel, speak and write. I mean, the opportunities are endless. Um, You know, when I think about machine learning and audit, right, that sampling process from an auditor's perspective, that's going to be obsolete, right? The algorithms will have the ability to read the entire data set and find those anomalies, and the auditor will spend more time reviewing and, and having more proactive actions and recommendations, you know, then I think about FP&A, right? So cognitive is a major uh, game changer in FP&A. You know, CFOs will absolutely have more confidence in their forecasting and planning. The cognitive capabilities can scan through way more data than any analyst ever could, providing those thoughtful analysis. And both, I think uh, Ranjit had mentioned it earlier, the structured, non-structured data, it'll find patterns and things like 
product level sales, for example, you know, whether it's at the product category level or invoice level, you know, an analyst could never get that deep before. But now with cognitive and machine learning, we can actually get that deep. We'll find the patterns, the dependencies, those relationships that can be used as inputs into the, the next forecasting and planning model. You know, it, it, it truly has opened a whole new world of managing finance and accounting operations. Truly a game changer. Thank you, Denise. One more point. I want you to talk about the gig workers. How does this work for finance? Is this you hire them on a project-by-project basis, and then you say, bye-bye, we'll talk to you next time we have a project? How does that work in the real world? Yep, absolutely. It could be (laughs) project-by-project basis, whether you have a specific innovation that you're working on, you know, whether you have a small cloud application that you're integrating with your your finance organization. Um, Sometimes it could be more longer term. If you're doing a transformation program, it's someone that may actually last the distance and stay on longer. Um, But that's the beauty of it, right? They are getting a, a vast experience working with all these different companies, you know, solving all these different solutions through innovations and technology. It's really a value add to any organization. So they become experts for hire. I like that idea. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Great topic here. Wish we had more time for it, but we do have time to go around the table briefly. Ranjit, I'm going to give you about 90 seconds to talk about this. I think we have a whole new show based on this, Denise. And then Arjun and Denise, you can get ready with your prediction at the end. We've got, oh, six minutes left till the end of the show. So Ranjit, what do you think about the gig workers, about the robots in finance? What's your thought, please? Yeah, the, the, the workforce in finance is changing, period. So we have the rise of the millennials and the Gen Yers, and, and that's one aspect. But then we also have all of the capabilities and, and uh, features that automation brings. It's exponential. And so what we're seeing is a greater need for finance personnel to have skills such as data scientists, analytics, you know, things that were kind of unheard of in the finance function historically. Uh, this, in turn, is now leading to a greater need for resources that can focus on storytelling, being persuasive, influencing the organization, because automation is truly taking up the traditional routine efforts and finance is becoming more strategic and is pivoting to be an influencer in the company. Now, I I fully recognize this is probably one of the most heavily debated topics when it comes to talent in the finance organization. Um, I would encourage everyone to, to Google the job descriptions at Google. So their, their finance organization and the way they describe the roles and the jobs that they're hiring for are dramatically different from the traditional finance positions that we generally see. So have a look at Google Finance Job Descriptions so you can see what the future is really looking like for the skills in the workforce of finance. I think you just gave your prediction. Thank you, Ranji. You're done with your prediction. You're good. We're in the crystal ball round. Arjun, I'm going to let you comment and or give your prediction, then we'll wrap up with Denise because we're going to be right on time. Arjun, do you have a prediction about the hiring, about the technology, about finance? Go ahead. Let's let's move this in a different way. Go ahead. <laughs> Where do I begin, right? Uh, this is definitely a people problem, right? Um, this is not a technology story, a list of use cases. We got to ask the question, how will my people work uh, in future? What kind of skills would my people need? How to fit this in our culture? And I can give you an example where this is an FBNA organization of one of our um, um, uh, clients that we were working with. They they had a big organization working with building um, end of the month reports and, and writing narratives uh, about uh, how the performance has been. After implementing um, NLG, which is a natural language generation and um, machine learning based models, the report generation and the narrative and the commentary was automated. So automatically, 
now the the entire workforce that was creating and writing these narratives are now focused on what do i do with those insights so that becomes now a, a huge talent i wouldn't while it's a problem it becomes a a talent opportunity where mm-hmm. can i make more dis- more decisions that are more pointed much better clarity is there a way i can partner with business in a different way so the talent uh, aspect of it becomes extremely key so the the cfo's organization has to continue to think about this as a cultural issue and how will my people be and live in the future Thank you. Great prediction. Appreciate that. Denise McGuigan, you're going to wrap up the predictions, and I'm going to thank everybody. Go ahead, Denise. I can give you 90 seconds. Use them. Yeah, absolutely. And just to wrap up this topic, you know, accountants will spend more time partnering with the business for sure. You know, sharing their perspectives around performance, forecasts, data entry, and manual activities, they're going to disappear. Um, you know, accountants will be more involved in proactive problem solving is what I like to call it and, and really fixate, fixated on what could happen versus what did happen. You know, many organizations that want to hire accountants that have additional experience from other parts of the business or, or some even hire from a completely non-traditional background. Um, accountants will not certainly be replaced by bots. <laughs> they will mm. absolutely be required just with a different lens and skill set. And, and, you know, the prediction is I actually think we'll see more of lights out finance. I think it's going to be table stakes. You know, the CFO's role will evolve as with the controllers and they'll really be uh, driving the strategic direction of, of the company and save the day in a crisis. Thank you very much. Arjun, I can give you 30 seconds. Do you want to add a prediction? I think what's going to also happen is finance is going to merge into a lot of the other businesses. So everybody's going to ah. think finance. Anybody who thinks dollars is finance. And the definition is going to be much broader. So uh, to, to Ranjit's point, it's not just I mean, finance folks will be data scientists. Finance folks would be part of the business. So it, it's a role, not a function. Thank you. Very interesting. Great predictions around. I cannot thank the three of you enough. This has been a fascinating conversation. Mostly, I appreciate your energy, your flexibility floating from topic to topic, all of the great work you did before the show, all the terrific statements you sent me, and all the thought leadership you put into being thought leaders. So there. I have some shout-outs to do. Malia Aguilar, you rock. Thank you, Malia, for being the backbone of putting these shows together. Carla Neil Slavin, you as well, and Helen Tomas, thank you so much. All of you at Deloitte for sponsoring this series and putting these shows together. This was a terrific panel. I have to thank Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel at World Talk Radio. Just about ready to wrap up. So I think we can summarize that finance is going to be on the leading edge. Leaders need to pivot, be flexible, be sharp, be visionary. They need to use all of the tools at their disposal. And if you don't have them, get them. Use your robots, use your flexible gig workers, and just go forward. The world needs you to do your job better than ever. I think that's a good summary. So I'm just going to say thank you again to Denise McGuigan. Such a pleasure to speak with you again. And Ranjit Rao, so nice to meet you. Really appreciate all of your thoughts and your energy is terrific. And Arjun Krishnamurthy, same thing. Terrific. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for the Deloitte Kinetic Enterprise Podcast. I will say what I always say in my new emails now. Be safe. Be smart. Be well. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. 
Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com slash SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.